Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast. I'm John Norman and alongside Steve Harmison, we will be looking forward to the World Cup final. It's India, it's Australia and uh, let us all hope that the World Cup can finish strongly with a close encounter, with plenty of intrigue, with some superb performances individually um, and uh, and in front of 100,000 people, of course. Maybe there'll be a few Australians there too. Uh, lots to talk about on the show. We're going to hear from Shub McGill talking about Virat Kohli. We're going to hear from Mitchell Stark on the pitch that uh, Australia defeated South Africa on. And we will hear from Neil Manthorpe out in India uh, to get his uh, immediate uh, reaction. We're going to hear his immediate reaction to that uh, painful, another painful semi-final defeat for South Africa. So plenty to talk about here on Following Off. Well, thanks for listening to the show. Head over to the TalkSport uh, Cricket YouTube page uh, for more content in and around the build-up to the World Cup final, which takes place on Sunday. Um, and uh, you'll find Harmy there, Manners there, I'm there. Everybody's there, really. Loads of people. Uh, check it out. Harmy, good to see you. Uh, well, now we know it's going to be India. It's going to be Australia. Uh, the second of the two semifinals, by far the better spectacle for the neutral. But at no stage did I think that South Africa were going to win that. I mean, they, they battled really hard. And the great thing is, I mean, I felt very sorry for Temba Bavuma. He was out for a two-ball duck. The camera kept panning on him throughout the South African innings. And you just knew that the C word was going to be there or thereabouts at some point. But they played so well to get themselves not quite back into the game, but certainly with a with a gambler's chance. David Miller with 100. There was a decent partnership with Clarsen. And then after giving up 60 runs in the first six overs, they, they dragged it back. I mean, I thought that Maharaj and Shamsi bowled beautifully. Um, and if not for a couple of chances that went down, tough ones, but a couple of them definitely should have been taken. Maybe, just maybe, 
But, you know, it, it wasn't to be. Um, and I suppose, if truth be told, whilst it's the worst possible result for England fans, an India-Australia final, could both teams lose? Is that even a thing? It should be. But I suppose if I'm looking at it with optimistic glasses on, um, Australia surely possess the armoury better than any other team to push India close. If anybody's going to win this World Cup apart from India, surely it's got to be Australia. Well, literally, it can only be Australia. Um, And hopefully, just hopefully, we might have a close finish. Yeah, we hope it's going to be a close finish. Um, I wouldn't say South Africa choked. I, I really wouldn't. I think. I no, think, no, they did enough. Uh, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't I think, choke. I they, think didn't they did. Choke. I think you can. I think we can take. I think we can put that on the on the record and say I don't think they choked. I think. I think they were bowled out in a power play really well. I thought, oh, yeah, here's a wood and, and Stark were unbelievable. And I think when India, when people say, oh, "Can India? Can India lose the world? Can any team can stop India?" And I said. Soon as the group stages was done, you know they didn't want to play against Bolt and they didn't want to play against Stark because they have the they have the ability and the power and the the skill factor with the left arm option, new ball, you know, smoke shine, char, three D. If he if Pakistan had got through, that they could go swing in the in the first six overs and bang, and that's what South Africa got. They got bowled out in the first six or seven overs, and it was it was a joy to watch, even. Even from an Australian point of view, I thought they were they were bang on it. Leading into the tournament, I didn't think anybody would touch India. I really didn't. Yeah, nobody seen what was going to happen with England, but there was only for me two teams could stop India in a in a pressurized situation, whether it be a knockout semi final or a knockout final. I thought out of the out of the ten teams that were in. The other nine teams, there was only two teams could go toe-to-toe with India, and one would be in England. And fair enough that we've seen what's happened, that ship sailed, and the other was Australia. Big-time players, understanding the the, the abilities of finals and big pressurised situations. I didn't expect South Africa. I didn't expect expect New Zealand to have enough. I thought they could deal with the, the, the occasion. I didn't think they had enough quality to potentially get them in a position to beat India. But there was only the two, and that was England and, and Australia. Now we've got Australia. I look at this Australian side and go, yeah, I can I can see them giving India a game. I can see why India would be concerned a little bit because India plays six batters and five bowlers. Now, Stark Cummins and Hazelwood get the ball in the right area like they did against Africa and reduce India and it's been a big if because they're batting unbelievable. But if they reduce India to 20 for three or 50 for 50 for three, then all of a sudden that end number is manageable. And with them playing five bowlers, two of them spin bowlers, and the power like you know, head marsh, head Warner and Marsh, and then you've got a middle order when you've got Maxwell coming in. That there for me is the 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 right balance to probably play against a team who have only got five bowlers. Because you can attack at the top and you can attack at the bottom if need be, especially if you're back first. So I think all in all, I think we've got a final where I think we might get a contest where I was I was concerned a little bit that when we got in towards the nitty-gritty and nearer the group stages, that, you know what, there's nobody going to touch these lot. They'll blow South Africa away. 
Yeah, I expected them to blow New Zealand away because they hadn't had much cricket together as a unit because obviously the you know the, the stop startness of being fit from a New Zealand point of view and there's quite a few aging bodies there. Um, I didn't think Pakistan would get anywhere near India either if they had got through. So I think we've got the final we want. We've got the final that we that potentially could be a proper contest. And I still back India to win, but I can see how they can possibly lose. Where three, four weeks ago, watching this side just bulldoze over everybody, I didn't think I didn't think anybody could stop this lot. I actually think Australia might have a chance. Australia seemed to be peaking at the right time. Uh, there's been a consistency about India's game, which has been quite uh, awesome to to behold. Actually, I at the start of the tournament, I did not see India being as as all conquering as they have been. You know, um, so yeah, I, I'm. I, hopefully, the weather the weather is kind as well. well what was your take on the the pitch? They they have, no, no, they haven't been fortunate. They gerrymandered it. I mean, it's been set up. But yeah, I think essentially, you can't selection. Though I think the injury to Hartik Pandya, yeah, is actually... yeah, it's worked in their favour. I mean, Mohammed Shami did the best figures in an, in ODI history, didn't it? Seven for mm. uh, on a day where look, credit to credit, yeah, credit to Lawrence Booth. He's stuck his neck out there, and he has been getting Lawrence Booth at Daily Mail uh, with a story, the story of the World Cup. He's got Sunil Gavaskar slamming him, not by name, but. Slamming the the, the uh, notion that India could possibly have um, got the pitch changed to one that suited their style of play better, um, but essentially that's the story. The pitch was changed, and the ICC guy didn't seem particularly happy about it. We'll find out a bit more after the tournament. But essentially, what was your take on it? And did it make a difference? And do you see it happening on Sunday? I don't think it made a difference. I think they could have played in the car park and they still would have won. It's quality of players that we've got. And that's not me being sort of facetious. That's just... No, no, no. You're being honest. Say, say what you think. I, I, I didn't like what happened. I didn't. wasn't surprised that it happened. Um, I didn't think they needed to do it. Oh, I'd love the reasons, like a proper reason why. Well, why they didn't use a fresh pitch. Um, I would have thought... You know what? Two days before the actual event, you would expect to know more about what the why the, the surface wasn't up to standard from a fresh pitch point of view. So, if they'd said a week beforehand, or even you know before the last group game, look, there's a good chance we won't play on a fresh pitch because of X, Y, and Z. But then, I think from a digestion point of view, I think we would have we would have it would have been an easier swallow. Just to just to switch it two days beforehand does it does smell of you know school duggery and you know what we're gonna have our kick it's in our country we run the game we are the powerhouse and it doesn't look good so no matter what Sonny says and you know Sonny's a great man and somebody who is a legend of the game and it's he's defending I think he's defending the undefendable when you when you're switching a pitch forty eight hours out. I think you you really are you are looking at something that is got to be it's got to be something catastrophically wrong with having a fresh pitch over a over a over a one that's been used twice before not once before twice before so I don't think I don't think India needed to do it I don't think anybody was surprised by it I agree with wholeheartedly what you're saying about Lawrence 
um, doing what he does brilliantly well, which has been a great journalist. Um, somebody who is a is a is a brilliant custodian of the game because he's editor of the of the wisdom, and he is not. He has got so much for me. Somebody like Lawrence Booth has got so much credibility in the game because of. He's not. He's not just a newspaper journalist looking for a story. He he's in charge of a of a publication that is worldwide renowned. Yeah, you know, it's not just a journalist in an England newspaper looking to sort of try and make mischief. You know, the wisdom, the wills, the wisdom cricketer. You know, there's five people around the world get into a every year. So this has come from somebody who has seen everything in the game. So for Lawrence to have not only that opinion, but then go out and, and, and put it out there, for me, tells you, I think it tells you everything because he's not looking for a story. He's actually writing about the love of the game and what the game, how the game was probably done wrong. So, but were you surprised? No. There was a, did I see it happening in Ahmedabad again? Possibly. Yeah, possibly. More to the fact that if, if it was India home game playing against Australia... I'd be playing on a used pitch two, three, four times over because India can't play, Australia can't play spin. And they've only got really Adam Zampa who had a struggle in the last game. So I would play on a used pitch. But with all the euphoria that's gone, can they do it again? Will the ICC let them do it again? I'd be very, very surprised. And if somebody does let them do it again, you know, the, the heads want to roll. So I think it doesn't really, it it's really appeals insignificant. Because whether it was a huge pitch or a fresh pitch, I think India would have beat New Zealand. But it just stinks a little bit, and that's something. Yeah, you know, that that's something. I my takeaway of it is that it was something that really didn't need to happen because there were there were so streets ahead of of that. Uh, someone who um, is now streets ahead of pretty much everybody else. Well, I'm not sure if one ODI century ahead of Sachin Tendulkar qualifies as being streets ahead but you know what I mean uh, Vera Kohli uh, Shubman Gill um, who uh, helped him to get off to a great start against New Zealand of course had to retire hurt with uh, cramp I think um, before returning uh, spoke about what it was like really not just to share a dressing room um, but to be a teammate of Vera Kohli and to watch how he goes about his business you know every time he comes on to the park he does something special and uh, just how consistently he's been able to do it for the past 10-15 years is what is really uh, inspiring. And I think it's, for me, it's not so much about the skill that he has, but it's more about the hunger when he goes there and the intensity at which he plays the game is what inspires me. And to be able to have that consistently for a, for as long as he's he's been doing it is what really inspires me. Thanks for listening to the following on podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review, or you can now tweet us at cricket underscore TS. As well as that, you can now also watch us on YouTube. So for regular cricket insight from the likes of Bumble, Goffey and Harmy, live cricket commentary and exclusive video content that you can't find anywhere else, search for the TalkSport Cricket YouTube channel. Time to get back to the show. Our friend Jarrah Kimber has done a video this week and one of the reasons on his YouTube channel, one of the things he's flagged up is essentially India have got in Rohit Sharma, Shubman Gill, um, Virat Kohli, 
Shreyas Iyer. And uh, I've missed one. Yuri Kumiyadev. No, not Syria Kumiyadev. One other. Who's the other? Sharma? Sharma Gil. Rahul. Oh, Kale Rahul. Um, essentially, they've got, I think they've got four batters, maybe five in the top six, who are in the top 15 in world cricket, in ODI cricket. Uh, they yeah. all average over 50. Shubman Gill averages over 60. No one's played as many ODIs as he has and averages over 60. Um, and Vera averages and, 90 years. Yeah, yeah. And he's got 50, 50 yeah. ODI centuries. We were all found it a little bit uncomfortable watching a couple of those in this tournament. Yeah. But 50? Yeah. I mean, that's... Especially when you look at... Especially when you look at next is 49 in yeah. Sachin. Yeah. yeah. Next is 31. I think it's Callas and Ponton, 31 and 30. Yeah. Anytime you finish above Sachin in a batting record chart, you've probably done all right. It was kind of, I don't know what you thought especially about. When a, especially when you've done a 120 games or 130 games less as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can tell Sashin that. Yeah. Um, Mitchell, uh, Mitchell Stark, well, let's hear from him as well. He spoke about the pitch. We have mentioned the pitch in the India-New Zealand game, but the pitch in the Australia-South Africa game was also very interesting. Let's see what he had to say about, uh, about it. I think it was Malcolm Conn. Famous old Australian, I don't know about old actually. Um, famous Australian journalist asked him a question following the win against South Africa. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean, 
there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. I'm certainly not going to say I'm one to read pitches and, and know what they do. Um, I've been training here the last few days. The, the practice we get certainly turned a lot. Um, from all reports, I think that's a... The wicket we played on has been used a few times, so no surprise that it did turn. Um, probably a little surprising that it did seem around a little bit, whilst, as I said before, it was pretty inconsistent pace-wise. Um, I think average first inning scores here have been sort of around 300 mark or a little bit higher. So, um, yeah, a, a little bit surprising, but you know, sometimes it's nice to see ball, ball dominate. That's about two-thirds of the game, the match through, maybe, uh, maybe halfway through the... No, about a third of the way through... Australia's innings, they'd start losing wickets. Maharaj and uh, Shamsi were bowling. And on our WhatsApp group, Neil Manthorpe just mentioned, just said, oh, imagine if we'd had 240. Not we. He said, went to South Africa had 240. And I thought, well, 280. 280 would have, that would have been a winning pick, a winning score. Actually, do you know what? 240. 240 could well have been a winning score on that pitch. Yeah, 240 would have been, I think, scoreboard pressure. I think at one point they needed, I think there were, I think there were five down, written, yeah, yeah, five down needing 70, 137 for five when Maxwell yeah. got out. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm about, I'm about to send Alan Brazil a message to say, I hope you haven't cashed out because he, I think he's lumped up my, my advice on the, uh, the eve of the game was if South Africa win the toss the bat first. And the abuse I got off him was ridiculous when uh, yeah, there were when there were when there were well there were twelve or three right. or something like that. So he's, ne- he was he's never he's never talked about cricket more. <laughs> no, <than in> that, <laughs> and in that hour that uh, South Africa were not scoring, in fact, they were losing wickets quicker than they were scoring runs. Yeah, and he wasn't he wasn't too happy. So it must have get him a turn of drinks. So he turned in on a Friday morning. So, um, but on the on the on that front. Yeah, you know, the, the 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 surface, the surfaces are always going to get tired. I think that's the, always the, the difficult part of that part of the world when you've got little surfaces, so many small surfaces from a TV camera's point of view, and then you've got to keep churning out these pictures to make sure that that they are right with the heat and everything that goes on them. So, in I mentioned on on the breakfast show a couple of day, a, a few days ago that you know when we're the all the hullabaloo about the pitches. The the pitch for the World Cup final in 2019 was a shocker at Lords. It was an absolute it was a it was a, oh, it was a poor terrible, pitch. terrible. It was match. a terrible, terrible cricket pitch. When you consider when we've had scores in excess of 350 and we played on, you know, we played on a club pitch when a, you look at Colin de Grandon bowling 72 mile an hour and got two for 30. So the pitches will always be, but the, the, the best teams will always come out on top. Um in theory, you know, the best two teams for me in this competition probably have been Australia and India because they've got a method. And you talk about Virat Kohli, he is unbelievable. You know, I think he, I'm not saying he saved Test cricket when he was India captain, but the way he talked about Test cricket and his, his ambassadorial role as India captain in Test cricket. Yeah. I think kept cricket going in Mate, Red Bull for, for, you're absolutely for a right. So, Do you know what? The, the conversation now at boardroom level, at broadcast, when it comes to broadcast deals, is actually Test cricket's okay. 
That's yeah. I mean, look, there's a lot wrong with it. I mean, at the end of the day, the fact that India and England and Australia are behind it fully doesn't make up for the fact that there's no domestic structure to create test cricketers in West Indies, uh, South Africa to a point now, uh, Pakistan to a point, Sri Lanka for sure, uh, Bangladesh. So, you know, it's not going to save it there, but certainly it's ODI cricket where they're struggling to work out how they're going to make broadcast money out of it. Um, let's um, let's India, finish up. If, win, if India win it. Yeah. We, we, but we, we are, we've been, obviously I've been playing it for, for a long, long time and broadcasting it since you know, you've been broadcasting it for a hell of a long time. And you, you look at cricket and think in 2011, 50 over cricket was gone. And if India didn't win the 50-over World Cup in India, lifting Sachin aloft after he played his however many of game, and that was him on, into the sunset, and the Taj Mahal picture were Dhoni and, and, and Sachin with the World Cup. If India didn't win that trophy, I don't think they would have been playing 50-over cricket now. I think that was... Do you that know was, what? I thought it survived there. So it might. this might be the boost it needs. Ben Stokes's method and outlook of where... Test cricket has been over the course of the last two years. Just give it a little bit of a kiss of life. 50 over cricket might have just been given a kiss of life. If, again, Virat Kohli walks off into the sunset with Rohit Sharma, the Taj Mahal gateway again with the World Cup again. Mate, it's a good shout because, you know, if India win it, they're going to want to defend it, aren't they? Because there's a lot yeah. of talk about the 50-2027 World Cup turning into a 20-over affair. I can't quite work out how that works because there's already two 2020s every four years. Then what are you going to have? Three in four years. Um... But talking about the kiss of life, what a segue this would be. Manners, of course, is out there. Don't know if you picked up Harmy, but he seems to have struggled a bit. Losing his bag was a blow, mm. wasn't it? He was struggling there. Um, he's not been staying in the most. He's not been staying in the in the nicer parts of town at times. Although well, no, he was staying in the Taj next to where I lands in next to where I was. Well, yeah, he's but he's he kind of you know he kind of enjoys that side of things as well but then it does get to a point where he could do with sleeping somewhere where the sheets are clean um but anyway he's not able to join us on the show today because he's flying to Ahmedabad he's got to get the cheap flight can't be going on a Saturday I don't know what 7,000 rand is but it's a lot more expensive than 3,000 rand uh check out his Substack, by the way um it's excellent it's been brilliant throughout this this world cup one of the best things about it um but yeah, what happened was yesterday I couldn't, uh, we couldn't meet, we couldn't talk. So I sent him a list of questions and I asked him to answer them honestly, which of course he did and he did it brilliantly. So let's see what the questions were, but more importantly, how he answered them. Hello, John, and welcome to room 210 in the Hotel Majestic in Chandni Market, which is uh, about a kilometre's walk from Eden Gardens. And uh, you might be able to hear the nightclub thumping in the background. It's half past 12. I've just made uh, the walk back from Eden Gardens. Um, reflecting on many, many years of, uh, of near misses and not so near misses for South Africa. Um, but uh, it was a, another cracking game. Ironically enough, the same score that uh, the semi-final was in 1999. Did South Africa do enough? I think they did more than enough, to be honest. Um, I don't think that it was in any way, shape or form a choke um, by any means. Um, the head coach, Rob Walter, said afterwards that, to his mind, a choke was getting into a winning position and not being able to get over the line. And uh, South Africa were behind the game in every single stage 
today and fought their way back. Um, bowling conditions were beautiful for Australia in the first 10 overs, the first 20 overs actually. And South Africa did choose to bat first, so they've got themselves uh, to hold responsible for that. But the way they fought back, I thought, was, was brilliant. David Miller's 100 was uh, one to savour. Uh, really, really big occasion batting, and he's one of the South Africans that does have an excellent reputation in knockout games. Um, the players will feel, obviously, that it was an opportunity missed and that uh, they could have gone all the way. Their cricket was compelling. It was strong. It was aggressive. It was really... Um, when the blueprint worked for them in their some of their group games, I mean, four scores of 350-plus and five wins by over 100 runs, then um, the, it was hard to see them being beaten. But it was a limited blueprint uh, um, in, in many ways. They were very fragile, chasing targets, and uh, that was the reason they chose to bat first tonight. As uh, the coach said afterwards, uh, that's our strength, putting runs on the board, putting teams under pressure, and it didn't work. Um, you know, uh, he was good enough to say that in really helpful conditions, they were up against two world-class bowlers in Mitchell Stark and Josh Hazelwood, who just didn't miss their targets. Um, in the first 10 overs, I think there was one bad ball, and that was from Mitchell Stark, which went down the leg side for, uh, for a couple of wides. Uh, but it was, it was brilliant. And I actually thought South Africa did well to only lose two wickets in the first 10 overs inside the power play. I mean, Australia must have been thinking we could, you know, we could have had them five down in 10 overs. You ask whether they'll have any regrets, and I, I don't think they will. Um, you know, they gave it everything. Uh, and and they, they weren't good enough. It's not like previous defeats when they can look back and go, what if, what if, they will do that, of course. They always do. Players will always think, what if David Miller had batted the last 16 balls of the innings and, uh, and not hold out the ball after getting his 100, which I don't think had anything to do with it, but what if he had batted the last 16 balls, faced 10, 12 of them, and scored another 22, 25? That might have made a difference. So there will all be uh, those questions, but, you know... They just didn't score enough. They were 24-4, and that was a very, very long way back from that, although they they almost did come back from it. You asked me as well whether I ever believed that that they would win. And I have to go back to, you know, a month before the tournament when I said to you um, and and to, to lots of people on the Cricket Collective that a top four finish would be a fantastic result for them. And, and, and you know, and they, and they made the top four with, um, well, statistically, two games to go, but in reality, because of their net run rate and those massive wins, with three games to go. They made the semi-finals with three games to go. Um, and so I did begin always with a, the caveat of, things would have to fall in their favour. They would have to win the toss. The conditions would have to be helpful. Um, their blueprint, limited blueprint, limited by the personnel that they have and a very, very weak batting tail. There were never going to be any runs coming from 8, 9, 10, 11. Um, well, I suppose there were 14 in the game against Pakistan, <laughs> which they won by one wicket. And I thought that was a turning point, actually. But... 
I, I, it was always very limited. Pat Cummins said before this semi-final, us at our best is good enough. Uh, and it was, you know, born out of the confidence of, of winning World Cups. And But, you know, that, there was always that question mark over South Africa. And, you know, if conditions were difficult they and they struggled and they lost early wickets and they weren't able to monster the back end of innings with Heinrich Klaas and David Miller and Aidan Markram whacking sixes for fun then then they would be under pressure and that's exactly what happened um, in the semi-final so yeah, I mean your, your last question is about South Africa hosting the next World Cup, 50 over World Cup if it is a 50 over World Cup in four years time we spoke to the director of cricket Enoch Nkwey a couple of days ago and uh, he said that when he took over the post 18 months ago, he said that the goal was always to win the World Cup in 2027 in South Africa. And if they did well in 2023 in India, then that would be a bonus. And they have done well. But he was also speaking, I think, with a touch of naivety about the majority of this squad being around and being available. There are lots of uh, 30-somethings. Uh, Keshav Maharaj is the number one ODI bowler in the world at the moment. He's 32. Klaassen, Markram, Miller are all 32, 33, 34. So I don't know whether they'll still be around um, in South Africa in four years' time. I don't think that they will play all ODI cricket, for that matter. There may be a few Ben Stokes-type retirements uh, for a year or 18 months, and then maybe considering a comeback. Quinton de Kock, I don't think, will come back uh, for, for certain. And Kajisa Rabada has uh, been playing international cricket since he was 18, so I don't know how much fuel he's got uh, left in the tank. I think there might have to be a considerable amount of rebuilding. But in, in two fast bowlers, both of whom are 23, Marco Janssen and Gerald Kutsia, they've got a great base to work from. <coughs> and um, if the administrators can sort out their stuff, then um, South Africa might just be in a good position to win their first World Cup on home soil. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Your final point. Sport hurts, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does, but it um, it's hurt a lot worse for South African supporters on several previous occasions than it hurts this evening. I think uh, they fought back and uh, they fought back. Well, they'll get a huge amount of um, vitriol and, and criticism and retribution from supporters back home who are unforgiving and sometimes downright nasty. But the players, I think, unlike some other previous teams, will be able to look in the mirror and say, you know what, we actually did really give it our best shot and it wasn't to be. Well, a big thanks to Manners. Um, and as I say, Manners will be there on Sunday. I'll be reporting on the World Cup final for Talk Sport all across uh, uh, Sunday as well. Manners and Harmy, you're going to be back for the Cricket Collective on Monday, ahead of Manners flying back to South Africa. Um, yeah, let's let's leave it there. Essentially, sport does hurt, doesn't it? And yeah. the moment it the moment it stop stops hurting is the moment it stops being enjoyable as well. So you kind of it's kind of how it works. Can't have one without the other. You can't have one without the other. And you know, we've had a tournament where uh, to be fair. We've had a tournament where I can't remember cricket existing without this 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 World Cup. It's been so long, um, and we've had a lot of disappointment. But we all love our team, and I think we all 
I agree that our team has not been to the level that we expected, which has been a surprise. But the beauty about for me about this team and why I will never be critical other than you know on individuals the way they've got out or the way they've performed is that I think 15 England players went to that World Cup with an idea that we're going to win it. 15 players came back from that World Cup having disappointed themselves and many others. But I think the best thing I will say about this group because of their the way their careers have been in white ball cricket and what they've given this country in white ball cricket, I think there's 15 players coming back from that World Cup hurting just as much as the people who are getting up at 8 o'clock in the morning to watch. You know, I've spent the money to go and to watch. I think we've had some great ambassadors of the England cricket team over the course of the last few years, especially in white ball cricket. And I think the the message out of that dressing room was we were disappointed. They didn't sugarcoat anything and they are hurting. And I think that for me makes it, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, alleviate the disappointment, but it goes a long way to go, you know, to giving them a little bit of slack because of what they've had in their careers and knowing that they've come back disappointed that they've let people down, they've let themselves down, they've let other people down. So that I can palette that off the back of if they come back, swanned off and gone into their franchise leagues and who cared and you've seen them on you've seen them on adverts or you've seen them in you know giving it the large one. But I think there's a lot of these players who are really disappointed of what happened in that World Cup. And that for me makes it I think an easier swallow that they have tried their best, but unfortunately their best wasn't good enough. And it, it, and each one of them, I think, it's hurt them. And when you play sport, it does. It's There's things sometimes out of your control. And then the England cricket team have given us a lot of joy, but they were really disappointing for these eight weeks. And unfortunately, that's why they're at home now. Well said, Harmy. Um, mate, take it easy. Have a good weekend. And yeah. uh, as I say, you'll be back with Manners on Monday with the Cricket Collective. And uh, following on, be back next week and head over to the uh, TalkSport Cricket YouTube channel. It's all going on. Thanks for listening to Following On. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today.